Uh, we just want to thank you very much for having us come out and uh, be with you all. Uh, Roma Jane apologizes. She's with our grandson today, so um, but she was here a little bit earlier, but um, they uh, are spending some time together. So um, again, thank you. So we, we do missionary care. So I'll get into what missionary care here is in a bit, but let me just introduce uh, this and how all of this come about, how this came about, how you came about. Um, we're going to go back and we're going to talk about just the, uh, where mission started and, and, um, and why we're here today. Uh, so for us, missionary care, we didn't know it, but at the time, in 1996, it was starting for us. That's when we took our first missions trip, and we went to Romania. Um, and around 1990, the, uh, for those of us who were around, uh, the uh, Soviet uh, Union fell, the Iron Curtain came down, and it opened it up that region to the west, but it also opened it up to the gospel. And so we went with a group to work in the orphanages in Romania, and uh, we took uh, several trips uh, there. And one thing I learned while uh, taking those trips is that, one, it helps the people that we're working with, that we come alongside them and that we were a great help to them. But also, too, I learned that it changed the lives of the people that went on the trip. So in 2002, uh, I took a job in Norfolk, Nebraska to be on the faculty of Nebraska Christian College. And there, at the time, the college had what they called week of ministry. And the week of ministry was always at the end of the school year. And uh, it was a time where the staff, the faculty would organize teams, groups, and we would go out, mostly domestic, uh, to different parts of the country. And there would be a local one and we would do a week of ministry to whatever it was we would minister to these people. Well, Romagina and I, we decided that we knew a missionary family that lived in Honduras, and we wanted to go there. So for nine years, we took 12 students each time. Uh, so whatever, nine times 12, you're the math person, you figure that out. Um, so we took a lot of students uh, down to, uh, to, to Honduras. And I knew from my trips before, that this was going to be a great thing for our missionary family, and that we could really help them. Um, and I'll tell you, I'd take a group of college students anytime over a group of adults. So adults cry and complain way too much. Uh, college students, you just tell them what to do, and they just do it, and they have all the energy. It was great. So we, I knew that it would be a great help to them, and it would be fun, and we'd have all of that. But I also knew from my trips before that it would change the life of these college students, too, and come back. I don't know how many times that when I, we came back, a student would come to me and said, hey, I've decided I was going to leave, I was going to transfer, uh, but I'm going to stay one more year, get my associate's degree. Or I'm going to stay, I'm going to get my four-year degree, and I'm going to go into ministry, all because they went on the trip to Honduras with us. Well, I, I remember one particular uh, student, just give you a quick story. Just random name, I'll just take it out of the air, we'll call him Alex. <clears throat> just random, random student. And first day, first day while we're there, he comes up to me, he says, Dr. Backus, sir. No, yeah, it would have been Mr., but that's not really how it went. It would have been, hey, Professor Backus, dude, uh, I got a question for you. And you know, you're probably doing all this with his hair. So, uh, 
So again, random student, just pick it out of the air, you know. And he comes to me and he has this proposal. So I got a question for you. First day, first day. So I just, I just want you to know that there are these three teachers, Americans, they're teaching at the uh, English-speaking school, and this week they just happen to have it off. So they could come and they could be translators for us during, during the week. And I'm like, okay. So he, he played his card well because he knew that we're always in need of translators. So I had some questions. So it's like, okay, so first of all, we can't go out of our way to get these teachers. Okay, so he's like, oh, no, 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 they're just down the road. And they were. I mean, he, he, he set this up really good. And uh, they were just down the road, and just off, it was like, we could pick them up. and said, okay, so we can't, you know, to do that. And he also knew, too, he played his card well because of getting these, um, we, we needed the translators. But I also was like, okay, so how, how do you know? Th these these teachers. Well, one of them is just happened to go to his home church. Oh, she's she's a uh, oh a she. Oh uh, oh, they're all all these teachers are all female. Oh, okay, I get it. And oh, uh, don't you know she's like four, five, six years older than me. She's a youth sponsor. Said all this at 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 the church. You know, just just somebody random. You know, whatever. I'm like, mm hmm. Okay. So here's the deal, because we needed translators. Like, first of all, I'm not going on my way to just pick up these people. It's like, oh, no, no, they'll be right on the way. This is where it gets really nice, you know, or whatever. And then it's like, okay, but also, too, they got to do the work. Yeah, so we're going to go. We're going to do a lot of work. Um, I mean, we could probably feed them, but they're going to have to take care of themselves. Uh, and then when we need them to translate, they're going to have to translate, okay? It's like, oh, yeah, they'll do that. All right. Okay, next condition. No distractions, no flirting. And he's like, oh, no. They were, you know, she's a lot older than me, you know, or whatever. I'm like, yeah, whatever. So, so he assured me, no distractions, no flirting, nothing. And I'll tell you, those three girls, they were great. That whole week, yeah, translated that. We didn't have to, I didn't have to worry about them at all. Now, this random student, Alex, yeah, I had to worry about him a lot. Talk about smitten. He was smitten with the one sponsor from his church in particular, okay? Well, I don't think I have to tell you the rest of the story, four children later, you know, and all of that, and uh, here we go. That's pretty much how that conversation went, is how, yeah, 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 you set it up really good. I just remember Alex was always, where, wherever Steph was, that's where Alex was, and so I, I always knew where he would be. And I think about that, and I think about him, and I think about this church. And I think about that, would this church be here today if it wasn't for maybe that moment in time? And all the other things that he's done, and uh, to get to this point and to get to this church, we probably wouldn't be sitting here today uh, if it wasn't for that. And then I go back even further and think about, what about those guys, those ones, those first missionaries that we would call the apostles? What if they would have said no? to the Great Commission. You know, when Jesus left, uh, he gave us, he gave them a Great Commission. He said, hey, I want you to spread the gospel. You start in Jerusalem, go to uh, Judea, go to Samaria, and then go to the rest of the world. And that's what they did. And think about it. If they didn't do that, we wouldn't be here today. None of us would be here today. 
all because they followed what Jesus said, what Jesus commanded them to do. And there are people out there today that are still doing that. They're following the Great Commission, going to the rest of the world so that, Jesus, so that people will know the gospel and know the love of Christ. Well, today I want to talk about um, what we do, but it really started with these first missionaries, with the apostles. And we know some things about the apostles, but what we know a lot about is the Apostle Paul. We know some about Peter and what he did, but we really know about Apostle Paul. So I'm going to talk about him and his life and his missionary journey um, today, and then how that uh, works in today with the missionaries that we work with. So Paul was first called to the mission field in Acts chapter 9. And in Acts chapter 9, Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus. He was going up to Damascus to arrest Christians. Uh, he was completely opposed to Christianity, uh, and he was going up there to arrest, arrest Christians, bring them back to Jerusalem for trial, maybe even to be executed. But he was stopped by Jesus himself, and he said, I have another plan for you, and here is your mission. And he made it very clear. You are going to go to the Gentiles, and you're going to preach, and you're going to teach the gospel to the Gentiles. That's your mission. Okay, so he got it in there. So he went to Damascus, spent some time there. Uh, he actually left. We know he went to Arabia for about three years, came back to Damascus, from there, went to Jerusalem for about two weeks, talked to Peter uh, while he was there, and then from Jerusalem, he went to Tarsus. And in Tarsus, he was there for 14 years. So we don't think about it, but actually from Acts 9 to Acts 13 on Paul's first missionary journey, there was probably about 17 years there. So we don't think about that, but that's about how much time there was. So if you're ever wondering, like, how did Paul know so much uh, about the gospel? How did he know so much about Jesus' teaching? Well, it's because he had 17 years to prepare. Um, and we think that in that three years in Arabia that he, he probably had the Lord himself maybe came to him and just taught him. We don't know, but there was about 17 years in that time frame and that he went out. So him and Barnabas, they got together and they went on the first missionary trip. And that first trip, just it went so smooth. No, no, not really. Okay, so some of the things, just some highlights uh, from that first missionary trip. They went to several cities. Uh, they, first of all, they were going to go to uh, Asia Minor. And then on their second trip, they'll go to Europe. I'll get in that in just a second. But this first trip, Asia Minor. So they went to, um, they went to Perga. They went to Antioch. They went to Iconium. They went to Lystra. They went to Derby. And what, they, what did they get? They were confronted. They were uh, badgered. Um, they were, um, all, they, all this happened often, even, maybe even during their messages. Uh, the Jews did not like what they have to say. One of their companions, Mark, uh, yes, Mark, who wrote the gospel, uh, he was with them at the beginning, but then he left. We don't know why, um, but he, he left somewhere towards the beginning of that trip. Now, that did not sit well with Paul. Because we know when the second missionary trip came about, him and Barnabas got together and Barnabas said, hey, Mark's back, let's take him. And Paul said, no way, he left us. And I don't want him on this trip again. And, the, and in Acts, it says that there was such a sharp disagreement between the two that Barnabas took Mark, they went back to Cyprus, and that Paul took Silas, eventually meeting up with Timothy as well, and they went back to Asia Minor. Sharp disagreement between the two. Okay, so one of them leaves, 
this back on the first missionary trip. Uh, they were mocked for their message. And then, if that wasn't enough, so in, while they were in Lystra, Paul was stoned. So the Jews that were in Antioch and that were in Iconium, they came back down, they followed the path, and they found Paul, and they stoned him, almost to the point of death. In fact, they thought he was dead, in that they left him uh, there to be dead. Barnabas came out, got him, found out he was still alive. They nursed him back uh, to health, and then they went from Lystra to Derby. They stayed on the mission trip. And then this is the point that's really interesting to me. And it doesn't, you don't get this uh, from Scripture. You have to look at a map, okay? That at this point, they're in Derby, and this is where Paul's faith really comes in because he turns around and he goes back to all those towns that they just came through. Remember those Jews that came from Antioch and Iconium that, that stoned him in Lystra? They went back through those towns. Why? Because this word that we have, that this word isn't just verbal. It isn't just something that is just said. It's living. And he wanted to make sure that those people that he had just witnessed to, that he had just taught and preached to, that they understood that this message was a living message, that it was real, that it's in your heart. And could, just imagine that, is that he's walking back through Iconium and he's at, walking back through Antioch and here's these people that thought he was dead, and here he is walking back through them. So here, here's the thing that we often miss. If you have your Bible, <coughs> I see somebody has their Bible, turn to the book of maps. It's not really a book, but I like calling it the book of maps. If you have your phone, yes, get out your phone. And by the way, I'm, I'm more of a teacher than I am a preacher, so I like the interaction. So if you have your phone, do a search for maps, Paul's first missionary journey. <coughs> Why are you doing that? <clears throat> Paul's first missionary journey. Anybody have it? Yes? Okay. Who said yes with the loud yes? Okay. All right. So you can see on there, so it's like you see Antioch, right? Where does it have the little trail? Right? Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, right? And then Derby. If you keep going east on that map, what's the next town? Tarsus. Do you remember what his hometown was? Tarsus. Here's the point. He could have gone home. After being stoned, after being all of that, he could have gone home, but when you look on your map, he turned around and he went back. So now some of your maps have may shown, hey, it's a mountainous re region or, you know, or whatever. It's like, well, first of all, there was a pass, and he could have easily gone through the pass. Second of all, if you look up his second missionary journey, he goes up through Tarsus and he goes through the pass. He could have gone home. I would have. I, being stoned, being mocked, I would have gone home. But no, he didn't. Because this word... This gospel was so important that it had to get out there. Nothing was going to stop him. But another thing, too, that is interesting about Paul in his second missionary journey, something happened to him, and that was he wanted to go to Asia Minor and continue to that. But the Lord came to him and showed him a man from Macedonia. Now, if you look at your maps again, I don't know if you, rec if you realize this or not. So where he wanted to go in Asia... 
over there. And if he wanted to go to Macedonia, that's in Europe. Now, when I look at that, and I see, and I knowing where my ancestors, most of my ancestors come from, is in Europe, that if Paul decided to go to Asia and he didn't go to Europe, what would that have meant to me and my ancestors? Would they have heard the gospel? So I look around and I see all kinds of different skin color that are here, and you're probably thinking, well, what about me and where um, and my ancestors then? Well, that's answer too, because we know that from not, so Paul, of all the apostles, so Paul, he went to Asia, he went to Europe. Peter, it's thought that he actually went to Europe, actually went to Great Britain, and we know that he was martyred in Rome. So he went to Italy. Uh, Thomas, we know that Thomas went to the Middle East and that he went to India. In fact, to this day, if you go to in, in India, and I forget the town, but the, he was martyred uh, in India, and there's still a shrine there at the spot where he was martyred. Matthew, we know that he went to Africa and that he was martyred in Ethiopia. Simon the Zealot, we know that he went to Egypt, to Cyrene, and to other parts of Africa. Thaddeus, he went to the Middle East, and then he went to Africa, and it's thought that him and Simon, they got together, and they both were martyred in the same year in Beirut, Lebanon. Matthias, he went to Ethiopia and to Greece. John, he went to Gaul, which is France. And of all of the apostles, all of them were martyred. You want a job like that? All of them were martyred except for John. And John, he was uh, put on an island for the rest of his life um, there. All of this because this gospel, this message is important. And it went out to the rest of the world. All of it went. And it's not an easy life um, for Paul. Um, I know that they... Money what came from donations. There were times where he had to take some time off. We know in Corinth he took some time off and he built tents. This was about for 18 months that he did that and he preached on the weekends until more contributions came and then he went back into full-time ministry. Paul would say that food, shelter, sometimes it would be a lot and it'd be plenty, sometimes not. And he'd say, I learned to live with it all. Whether we have a lot or whether we have plenty, I'll live with it. We, we know um, in his ministry consisted of, consisted of making of churches, planting churches. He wrote uh, letters to those churches. He wrote letters to those individuals. And those letters make up the majority of our New Testament. Okay? His ministry affects us even still today. But then there's the end of his ministry. And we learn about his ministry, um, the end of his ministry, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, 6. And I want to read through this because I want you to hear the words of a man who knows the end is near. So he is in prison uh, for probably the second time. The first time that he was in prison was probably a house arrest. He could come and go. He had to check in with his, his probation officer, you know, things like that. But uh, it, was, it was easy. This one, not so much. He was in jail, probably chained to a guard. He wasn't going anywhere. He knew the end was near. So let's start with 2 Timothy 4. I'm going to start with verse 6. <coughs> For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. Hear that. Hear the emotion uh, that's, that's in this. 
He knows the end is near. He's being poured out. Um, the time has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the face, faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have, who have loved his appearing. Do your best to come soon. Uh, he gets done, and he's just all this reassurance in verses 7 and 8. And he's saying, I know that the Lord is here. He hasn't left me. But Timothy, I need you to come soon. I need you here. I'm alone. I need you here. Do your best to come soon. For Demas, in his love with the present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Christians has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. So we know Luke is there. Um, since he's in prison, Luke probably comes by and visits him. Uh, by the way, a little side note, I've actually been to Rome. And if you ever get a chance, go to the Roman Forum, which is where they've dug up old, old Rome. And I remember I asked our, our tour guide, and I said, you know, the Bible talks about Paul being in prison uh, in Rome. And nonchalant, the tour guide goes, says, oh, yeah, that's right over there. And I'm like, what? He's like, you know where Paul was put in prison? And like, it just, it occurred to me, it's like these stones, this is where Paul walked. This is where Luke walked. This is where Timothy and Mark and Peter, they walked here. These guys were real, you know? And Paul was in prison over there. Like, uh, it just uh, it was, a, I don't know. I just geeked out about that. It's pretty emotional. Um, Tychius, I have sent to, uh, no, sorry, missed important part. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. What? Okay, so this is the same Mark that left them, that there was such a sharp disagreement between him and Barnabas? This Mark? Yeah, that Mark. Biggest question when I get to heaven, yeah, I'm going to ask Jesus all those questions or whatever. Next, I'm going to Paul and I'm going to say, hey, what happened between you and Mark? Because there's nothing in between. It's like, you hated him, and then all of a sudden, he had to be there with you at the end of, at the end of uh, your life. What's up with that? But here it is. So Mark, bring Mark. So Timothy needs to come. Mark needs to come. Luke is already there. He doesn't want to be alone. Can you see it? He doesn't want to be alone. Tychius, I have sent to Ephesus, when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas. I just think it's interesting. He throws these little things in here. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to need that cloak because winter's coming. And who knows, you know, what's happening. So I, I need that. Uh, also, the books and all the parchments. <laughs> the ministry hasn't stopped. He wants to keep studying. He wants to keep writing. You know, it's like, how many letters did he write in, in, in prison, you know, that actually that got sent out? We know that there are some that did. He wants to keep continuing in his ministry even though he's locked up in prison. Alexander the coppersmith <clears throat> did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him uh, yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. If you don't know, Timothy is Paul's son, uh, in, in the spirit, not actual biological son, 
but he thought of him as his son. And so here, just like a father to his son, he's protecting him and protecting him from this man. Uh, at my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. Again, he's saying, I feel alone. May, may, it, not be, may it not be charged against him, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. And so that, and here it is, he's never forgot the goal, his message. That through me, the message might be fully proclaimed, proclaimed and the Gentiles might, not, might hear it. Jesus told him on the road to Damascus, this is your goal. This is your focus. This is it. He never forgot it. At the end of his life, he even has it. He says that I'm still going to the Gentiles that they may hear it. So as I was rescued from the lion's mouth, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. But he's not done. And then he says, uh, greet Priscilla and, and Aquila and the household of Anus. Yeah, that word. Uh, <laughs> I practice that even too. So it's like, yeah. Erastus re uh, remained in Corinth and I left uh, Tromephius, uh, who is ill at Maltus. Do your best to come before winter. Daenerys, he throws it in again. Do your best to come before winter. Because he knows if you don't come before winter, then you may not make it. Because uh, the shipping lanes and all of that are going to close down when winter comes. Do your best to come before winter. E Hubilus sends greetings to you as do uh, Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers. The Lord will be with your spirit. Grace be with you. So, I see Timothy and Mark and Luke as one of the first people to do missionary care. And that is what we do today. There are people that are out there that we work with um, and that they are put in difficult places. Uh, we work with two couples that are in Kiev, Ukraine. And we meet with them on a regular basis, usually monthly. Uh, just to check in and see how that they're doing and if they feel supported. Um, we also have met with, was interesting, with missionaries from Russia. And we don't think about this, but during this war, that a lot of the refugees from the Ukraine went into Russia. And so these missionaries were there uh, on the front line seeing horrific, horrific things that I won't say uh, here, but horrific things that people do to each other in war. But they are taking those refugees and helping them and getting them so that they have a better life outside of the, outside of the war. Some of the common things that we hear uh, from missionaries and some of the most common traumatic stress, either like failures in, in uh, missionary support system or even in personal crisis. Um, some things that... I remember this. We were in South Africa, and we were visiting with missionaries. And sitting around the table, and we were talking with a missionary couple, and they were telling us this story uh, that they got um, that just happened to them. They had been, <clears throat> they hadn't eaten out for two months. And they decided that they had come, they were in a rural area, they were in the city, and they were going to eat out. And so they went in Cape Town, uh, to Kentucky Fried Chicken. I don't know about you, but if I haven't eaten out for two months, I'm not going to Kentucky Fried Chicken. So, right? Um, I'm going to find some other place. 
And if I'm in South Africa, I'm going to find fish and chips because it's the best fish and chips I've ever had. So they went to Kentucky Fried Chicken, and they were so happy. And with their, their kids, and they were there. And then, you know what people do when they're so happy when they eat out? They take pictures of their food. And so that's what they did. And they posted it on Facebook. And they got a reply back from one of their supporters. They said, my money doesn't go to you to eat out. I was so, I can't say the word, but I was so angry. I wanted to go, and it's like, who was that? Because I want to go to them, and I want to say, you don't eat out for two, oh, listen, build it up. You don't eat out for two months, and then go to Kentucky Fried Chicken or go whatever and not be happy about it. But that's what some of these missionaries, from small things like that to big things, like, I don't know, car accidents, sickness, do we think about these things here that when we get that it's maybe a small crisis? But what if you're out in the middle of some place in Africa or some place in Latin America, you know, where you're literally an hour away from the highway on a dirt road, not a gravel road or a cement road, but a dirt road. And if it rains, you're cut off for at least a week. So you better make sure that you have food. You better make sure they have all that your needs. And why are you there in the first place? You're there in the first place because you believe in the gospel, you believe in the Great Commission, and that those people out in those areas need to hear the love of Christ. That's why you're there, and it's worth it. I like hearing all that. So, yeah, <coughs> we need to support these people. Uh, we see a lot of emotional burnout, disconnection, loneliness, addiction. Um, sometimes it, um, when they're out and they're feeling alone, or it's just stressful, they just want to come home. And in some places, we see gaming addictions. They'll come home, and they'll spend a whole evening uh, and just spent on gaming, and then they miss out with their family and things like that. Um, some cultures, like Europe and European cultures. By the way, um, if you didn't think about it, but um, Europe is one of the, becoming one of the more unreached places because people in Europe are turning away from the Lord. So we're sending more missionaries to Europe uh, because they need it. They're not, there's churches there, but the churches are more like museums than anything else. But in Europe, alcohol is a, is a big part of that culture. And so with a missionary who's not used to that may get, become addicted to that. We've seen that. Uh, pornography is another one. We've seen that. So we're working with these and trying to, so that there's other means, but it it happens. And then crisis. Also marital issues. We see a lot of this. 27% of missionary couples report a severe marital um, stress directly related to their overseas position. 73% uh, reported moderate levels at some time uh, during, their, during their ministry. So if you take 73 plus 27, that equals 100%. So it's more than likely if you're supporting a missionary that it's probably at some point they're going to have some marital uh, stress at a, at least a moderate level, okay? So they need help in that regard too. Um, some of the other things, and I've mentioned uh, this too, but this is not so common, but like government uprisings. I just talked with a guy uh, who was from Nicaragua, and do you guys remember in uh, 2018 the uprising in Nicaragua? No, I don't either. But you know what? It was serious. Uh, and there was uh, protests, and there was a lot of going on. In fact, um, during that time, um, there was about um, 
100, I think I read about 100,000 people that fled the country that it was so bad uh, there. And I was talking to him, and he wants us to come down in, in next February, which I think we're going to do, and work with them for a week. Do, we like to do retreats, uh, and then we like to stay and do any kind of counseling or support or whatever it is that we can do. Uh, but these people go through things like that. In fact, I remember on one of our trips to Honduras that there was some protests that were going on. I don't know if you guys were on that trip or not. Were you on that trip? No? Okay. So, yeah, so we actually were in the middle of some of those protests that were going on. So these are things that missionaries go through that we just don't normally go through. And my number one motto is when it comes to missionary care is, I learned this from Paul. I don't want them to feel like they're alone. Uh, I want them to know that they've got somebody that they can contact. And technology is great because if we can't be there in person, which is that's what we want to do, that, to be, there's nothing like being in person. But we also know that there's just something about face-to-face contact as well. So if we can't do that, then we can be face-to-face, and we can be face-to-face online, and that helps. I know that helps because our missionaries in the Ukraine tell me that it helps. So we go down, and we, what we want to do is we do counseling, we do support, uh, we do mentoring. Uh, Roman Jean is great working with the, the ladies on anything from, you know, being a mom, being a wife in ministry, because she's been a wife in all kinds of ministry. And we've done missionary care now for so long that she understands missionary culture. And there's been many times when she's met with a gal and that she's going through personal struggles and then she's like, well, I think you need a professional counselor and I just happen to know one. And so then the three of us will come together and we'll actually be able to do some counseling, you know, for them. And one of the best things I just got to tell you, and this is where we are so grateful for you that you've partnered with us because one of the best things to say to missionaries when they, we say, okay, so we're going to come down and we're going to do a retreat and, um, and we're going to be there for a week, and we're going to do all this support and all this stuff, and that's going to be great. But the question always comes up, well, how much does it cost? I, I, we, we were from the very beginning when we started doing full-time ministry, our missionary care, is that we wanted to not be a burden to the missionaries when we're there you know, or whatever. So we tell them there's no cost uh, for us. And also, too, we pay for our own plane tickets going down. If you can just care for us when we're on the field, uh, then, then fine, okay? So every time it is like, ah, thank you for that. It's like, how do you do that? And I tell them, we have wonderful partners because that we can have a support account uh, that we can draw from and that we can go and we can do these things. We have wonderful, wonderful partners. So I didn't mention this, and I need to, uh, but we work through <clears throat> our mission organization is One Mission Society. It's out of Greenwood, Indiana, which is a suburb of Indianapolis. And we do uh, missionary care mostly with them and the missionaries that are in OMS. But OMS, uh, seeing that the kingdom is, most, is what's really important, have given us permission to reach out of, the, of that ministry and to reach other mission, missionaries as well. So we've been able to do that, and it's been wonderful. 
Um, and our, um, we work with uh, other organizations too. Uh, in fact, the, the, we're going to Costa Rica in, um, in August to work with a group, Student International. And um, that was also the Nicaragua uh, trip, Student International. They put up schools in Latin America, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, Dominican Republic. And um, there, they, uh, um, they start schools. And many of the teachers there are Americans that come down, and they're missionaries. And so we started working with them, and it's been, it's been wonderful um, to do that. So why is this all important? Why is the message that these missionaries are giving is so important? Why did Paul and all the other apostles think it was so important that they would die uh, for this message? Well, let me ask you this. Why are you here? If this gospel, if this message is meaningless, then why are you here? Because it's not. It's not meaningless. Because we know that the gospel changes lives. We know that spreading the gospel will change even more lives. And what is the gospel? The gospel is love. It's the love of Christ. It's peace in a world that's at war. It's forgiveness when there is no grace anymore, when there is no forgiveness and it's just retaliation, it's forgiveness. And most importantly, it's salvation. Because this isn't it uh, for us. Jesus knew, the apostles knew, that there was more, that there was more than this. And that we need to be saved. And that's what Jesus is for, is that salvation. So this message that is being spread out through all the world is so important. So I just, say, I just ask, just think about those missionaries who are dedicating their lives to going into the mission field, whether it's for one year or whether it's for 20-some years or 30 years. They're dedicating their lives for the gospel, and they cannot, cannot be alone. Cannot. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, uh, it is just wonderful to come and be able to talk about this to talk about the message and the spread of the gospel and just to know, you know, how all that happened and how all that came to be. Lord, just seeing my own life and then just seeing the people here too and how missions has changed us, Lord, it's just a wonderful thing. But also, Lord, <coughs> Almighty God, we just want to pray for those missionaries who are out there. They're doing it. They're putting their lives on the line, some of them. Uh, some of them, they've just moved away from friends and family, all because they know the importance of the gospel. So we pray for them. We want peace for them. We want good health for them. Uh, we want them to be safe. They are dedicating their lives for you. So please, Lord, just keep them safe. And Father, when we have opportunity to go and come alongside, then I pray we do. So again, just thank you, Lord, for the opportunities you've given us. Thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.